Omanjika. Harimai, welcome everyone to the Trans Tasman Regen podcast. My name is Matt, and alongside with uh, Claire, we're uh, excited to be spotlighting another topic in the Regen space, which is regenerative tourism. We have um, some brilliant um, minds and talent in today's conversation, uh, including Stacey Linton from uh, the Tourism Bay of Plenty, who is the marketing and research uh, analyst, Glenn uh, Crowther. Regeneration Advisor at Tourism Bay of Plenty. And across here in Melbourne, we have Loretta, who is a PhD candidate uh, at Swinburne University Centre for Urban Transitions, who's doing a PhD specifically on regenerative tourism. Before we kick off, we'll just take a moment to uh, acknowledge those First Nations connections to um, the places here in Melbourne, the Kulin Nation, uh, in particular, um, the Boonwurrung and Boonwurrung people that are connected to where we're recording from and also to the iwi, um, the, the communities uh, in Aotearoa, in Wellington and Bay of Plenty, um, where we're, we're all coming from. So let's jump straight into the, the conversation. I guess setting the scene, we've seen regeneration come up in different popular narratives uh, you know, over the last 12 months, uh, especially, and regenerative tourism is one of those uh, forums that it's coming out. We're doing one recently on the donut economics model. So we're curious to dive into regenerative tourism, really work out from those uh, at the front line, how it's evolving. But what we might do is start with Stacey. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your uh, approach to tourism in involves regeneration? Um, sure. Um, kia ora koutou, ngā mihinui kia koutou i wā. Uh, really nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, so I guess um, to start with Tourism Bay of Plenty or Tāpoi Te Moana Nui Ātoi, um, we've been on a journey to destination management for a few years now. Um, our plan, The Love of Tourism, sets out a clear direction for this. Um, and at the, the very heart of that is a goal of regenerative tourism and aiming towards that. But we're very clear that it is a long-term aspiration. Um, so it, it really is a journey to get there. Um, we think that when tourism and a destination is managed appropriately, it can really provide net benefit across those four wellbeing areas. Um, so environment, cultural, social, um, and economic as well. Um, but we think, you know, it's just a much more holistic approach than I think has been used traditionally in tourism. Um, it's really more widespread. It's um, looking across every aspect of it. So, um, I probably just want to touch on me personally for a second. I think um, I sort of came from an agency background. We were really focused on commercial, um, you know, always going after the money, I suppose. Um, but when I got to Tourism Bay of Plenty and listened to Kristen Dunn, who was the MCE, speak about the vision for this place, um, she really talked about it being an elevation of Te Ao Māori, which is the Māori worldview and that kind of more holistic sense of things. And it struck a chord with me um, because I am Māori and I felt like I was kind of returning home to that way of thinking. Um, so it's a really nice place to be. It's kind of a little bit of a light bulb moment for me. So I'm really looking forward, um, I guess, to where we go from here and how we can make tourism a vehicle for good. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much, Stacey. And Glenn, passing to you, I have to say that your title, Regeneration Advisor, is absolutely brilliant. Uh, the envy of many, no doubt. Tell us a little bit more. 
you know, it was nice of um, Tourism Balcony to, to, to get me that title. I, I guess I feel I have to um, try to live up to it to, to some extent, but I have to say I've had no experience in the tourism sector. So I'm coming very much from a sustainability background um, with roles in that space. Um, and I think, you know, the, the goal really is to translate what Stacey just talked about, which is um, an understanding that these things do take time but we need to actually start sort of making change on the ground in our region and to collaborate um, with, I guess, everybody involved really, which is when you stop to think of who's part of the whole visitor economy, um, that's an awful lot of people. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, you, you personally, you're, how did you come to this region space? Um, well, I guess, um, Initially, it was um, a number of years ago now where I was um, interested in the whole climate change issue and the energy sector. I had a, had a role just in terms of a non-government organization working in that space. And um, over the years, in and out of, of other roles that I've had, um, educational roles and so, so forth, I've um, worked um, in sustainability roles, including a few years with the Sustainable Business Network. And I really saw in that um, role uh, the, the importance that businesses play once they get their sort of priorities um, sorted out, as I would say, where they sort of understand that the environment and people have to be right up there along with the economic outcomes. So when a business does that and they sort of get high-level strategies in place, and put investment into the areas that are needed, you can get some quite quick and um, impressive shifts in, in outcomes, including, you know, probably the, the big one these days is around carbon emissions. And we've, we've got businesses in our region that have actually turned things around remarkably quickly, really. Within a decade, they've reduced more than half of their CO2 emissions and so forth. So I think that's, that's kind of given me the thought that, you know, well, while a whole sector is a much more challenging issue, that if you take it business by business, person by person, then um, it can add up to some quite um, significant change over a relatively short time. You know, if you think of a decade as a <laughs> not not too far in the future. Yeah, well, we are in the decade of action, so it, it's um, yeah, it's time for us all to be absolutely yeah. yeah. Let's let's skip uh, across the Tasman uh, to Loretta. So tell us, you know, how you connected to Regen. Yeah, um, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional owners of the um, place where I live, and also have done most of my work. And my my backgrounds as a practitioner in the community development and international development space. I came in through that and started to see the promise of tourism and so was looking at uh, sustainable tourism um, as an approach but found that um, there were more questions than answers and started looking for why why isn't this approach working and came across regenerative tourism um, which for me holds um, a lot of promise and a lot of potential that that um, other approaches don't and so where I'm at the moment is that I've decided that I'm sitting within the Centre for Urban Transitions, um, which is very focused on um, 
trying to find more sustainable futures. And so I'm looking at what is tourism's contribution? That's my the focus of my PhD. What's tourism's contribution towards um, creating more regenerative futures? And as part of that, I'm looking uh, at a case study, um, which is an initiative that's starting up in Melbourne, which is how, do, how does the Birrarung or the Yarra River become swimmable again? It was swimmable pre-white pre settlement. How can, how can it, and even up to 50 years ago, people were swimming. How can it become a place for nourishment and, and bathing? Um, so I'll be exploring um, what's the role of tourism in contributing to that. Brilliant, some super exciting threads in amongst this. So let's see how they, they weave together as we move through this conversation. Uh, one of the things that comes through is that in each of you talking, there seems to be this shift that we're talking about where we're stepping up a gear from, we're kind of moving beyond sustainability and, and um, we're kind of drawing upon and really more meaningfully uh, working in partnership with the planet. And, and often, you know, it's First Nations people that are leading um, and can lead that process. I want to come back to you, um, Stacey, you mentioned the importance of Te Omari Worldview coming into um, Tourism Bay of Plenty's approach. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit more? Um, sure, I think inherent in Māori culture is that um, people are one with the, uh, the environment. It's not that the environment and people are separate, but we live on and within the environment. Um, and so it's really important that we take that approach through to everything. And I think in Māori um you often talk about uh, how you're going to do things for the benefit of the people, uh, in line with the benefit of the environment and the two are not mutually exclusive. So I feel like when we talk about regeneration, it's not a new concept here necessarily. It's just bringing that um, Indigenous wisdom back into mainstream thinking. Uh, so there are iwi here where that, you know, across Māori that hasn't left. Uh, it's still there and it's just making it, um, yeah, a, a little more, elevating it a little bit more, I suppose. Then what, what do you see as being some of the, the, the differences or the, the key characteristics of regeneration that can help people wrap their minds around it a little more clearly? You, you mean as opposed to sustainability or just in general? Yeah, it's a sustainability or, yeah, however, yeah. however you, however you in, interpret it. But obviously it's, it is its own... World, you know, it's a worldview of its own, you know, in many ways with lots of different interpretations on that. But um, often people say when they're trying to get into this regen space that they, there's a bit of a, a mind shift that that happens in the mm. And so that can be quite tricky to navigate. But what are some of those key, key parts to the mindset shift that you see that leaders and tourism professionals are needing to um, to embark on before I can get uh, deep into this space I probably have quite a you know almost simplistic approach to some of this stuff so I, I don't know if the, how widely you know the view is shared but I, I always think of it as if if we've been doing the right thing to thrive 
you know, holistically, then we, we wouldn't kind of need to be talking about regeneration. We'd just be talking about sustainability and um, sustaining, you know, what we, what we had at the start. But um, because of the way, you know, things have gone in the last while, especially in, in human history, then I think we, we need to really see quite a different approach to things, which requires whatever you describe it as, sort of a holistic mindset and trying to, trying to sort of see which things really are important. And so people on their deathbed often have a different view of that than um, when you're sort of, you know, bringing up a family and trying to desperately to get a few extra dollars to, to pay for things. Um, and, and both those realities are no doubt, you know, very valid um, for, for all those people in those different positions, but somehow to try to um, see the big picture and look at where the opportunities are to, to change things without sacrificing well-being, you know, in the present time to such an extent that you're actually going to have, you know, make, make your life or someone else's life a misery. And, and I think it is, it's genuinely quite tricky. I think um, we're in a situation now with issues like climate change with the report that's recently come out that confirms what it's looking like. It, it's all a bit, bit grim if you get into a bit of the detail. And um, so what that stresses to me is the importance of, of getting really clear on what everyone's priorities are. And so from the tourism sector, I suppose, you know, it, it's a, a double challenge because the, the impact of COVID and the impact um, that has been felt incredibly strongly in, in individuals' lives in some, some cases um, is, you know, rubbing right up against this need to change the whole model and to look at, I suppose, from, from my point of view, it's looking at how people can move around without creating a whole lot of carbon in the process. And we all love to go and see places. We all love to interact with new people. Most people enjoy that. Um, but I think until we have low carbon infrastructure in place, it's, it's, it's a real challenge is how, how we can do that sustainably, let alone in a way that we're part of a more regenerative system. We're actually giving back. And um, you know, when you look at that across the different well-beings, it means looking at improve social outcomes as well as just environmental outcomes and so that I think it just raises a lot of questions and I think we just have to um, you know take take one bite at a time and try to digest it and try to figure out what we can do step by step. Yeah brilliant what I might do at this point is pass across to Claire I think there's a few more questions that we're going to step through and no doubt dive into some examples of what it can look like on the ground. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. And um, I've been loving sitting here and hearing Stacey, Loretta and Glenn, the three of you talk about um, how you see regenerative tourism from, you know, your various work. And you've given some brilliant examples of, you know, that big picture and the way that you see regenerative tourism playing out in your worlds. I'd love um, to get a little bit more specific and hear some success stories from each of you. So particularly, um, you know, one really exciting positive outcome that you've seen come from regenerative tourism. Loretta, I'm, I might pass to you first. Yeah, so um, the one I'll talk about is the, the, one, the first known uh, regenerative tourism resort that uh, I'm aware of at least is Playa Viva, which is an eco-resort development uh, in Mexico. Um, and it was built with the whole village in mind. It doesn't. It didn't just stop at their own boundaries and their own 
building and their own, you know, um, visitors or guests that they had, they they were thinking about the entire place. So how do they sit within that broader system? And when they were designing um, the the resort, because it was you know just vacant land, um, they took over. I think it was uh, some uh, agri. Oh, growing some sort of crops there beforehand. Um, they, what they did was that they actually involved the local community and the local villagers in the design and the development of the place. And we're thinking about how can they do this in a way that actually regenerates the local ecosystems. And so for example, um, and, and, improve, and improve the wellbeing and livelihoods of the local people. So one of the things that was happening is that because it was a relatively remote um, area, the young people to get jobs, they would leave and go to the cities. But what was happening because of this eco resort being there, many of the young people stayed within their villages and learnt new, new, um, new skills. The other thing was that the, um, they had turtles in the area that were diminishing and through some um, restoration programs, they were able to get the numbers of turtles up and even get guests involved in, in transforming it. And also the buildings were built using locally sourced materials that are low energy consumption. And I think they've got a zero carbon footprint. Um, so all of these, these ways have actually meant that though the local ecosystems, the people in those places, that whole village, have actually improved their capability to work with nature. Yeah, so that's one example. Loretta, I love the way that you explained, you know, the different types of positive outcomes mm. that were created from that one initiative. I think, you know, earlier we spoke about you know, there being social outcomes and, um, you know, environmental outcomes, economic outcomes, all that kind of thing, and bringing those together. That's such a beautiful example of, you know, how you can create that positive change from so many different facets. I love that example. Yeah. Stacey, not, I might... Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, and it's not the end of the story either. They're continuing to evolve. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Stacey, I might hand to you and see if there's any, any that you'd like to share. Sure, I can. Um, I think probably one of the of the most amazing um, examples that we have here in the Bay of Plenty is um, Nadine and Carl Toy Toy at Kohutapu Lodge and Tribal Toys Tours. Um, so they operate a lodge in Mudapada, which is a very rural community um, deep in the heart of the Whiranaki. And um, they get visitors um, to come into their place and they sort of welcome them with absolute monarchy tanga into their into their home. They treat them like their family or whānau. Um, they help them, well, they put together a hangi, which is a traditional Māori meal, um, over the day and it cooks, they eat that at night. Um, and then the next day, they take the leftovers into the local primary school um, and they interact with the kids there. Um, so they're, I guess, feeding the community, but also taking in international visitors pre-COVID who, um, children in that community wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to engage with. Uh, so it's kind of helping those kids learn about different countries and they, they get the opportunity to share some time and kind of play on the playground with them and things like that. So from a social uh, perspective, it's working really well in terms of um, 
yeah, just giving a little bit of diversity into those lives, but also um, helping give back to the community in other important ways as well. And when you speak with Nadine, she doesn't talk about that like it's anything different from her life. That's just what, you know, she's growing up with. That's just the way that she sees things um, and she just takes her, her personality into her approach to business. Um, and it's just, you know, looking ahead, it's not just about this generation, but it's about the generations that come after and making sure that this place and the people here, you know, we're, we're looking after them as well uh, for that future. Um, and then if I can quickly touch on um, a different way that we're doing things at Tourism Bay of Plenty is that we are um, looking at ways that we can bring the wider community into tourism uh, so that we are community led. Uh, so we're trying to bring together what we're calling passion groups or steering groups of people really passionate about a particular area to drive tourism in that area. Uh, so one particular group is around horticultural provenance. Um, we are, after all, the Bay of Plenty. So we're bringing together people across the whole food landscape, chefs, restaurant owners, um, just passionate foodies. Now coming together in groups and um, when you walk into that space, the energy in there is really alive. They're, you know, showing all the passion that they have for that, uh, that space and they are the ones driving tourism in that area. So they've so far launched a new product, which is a, um, an e-scooter tour of foodie places in Mount Maunganui. Um, and yeah, looking at a brand and a festival to lead from there. So we're just really trying to concentrate on making sure that um, it is a community-led process and that the visitors who come here can engage with the community in areas that they're all passionate about. I love that example, oh, both of those examples, Stacey. And I think, um, you know, what you and Lerida have both, both shared with those examples are, I think, so great because of how simple they are. And I think often we find that regeneration seems like this really high level, broad, esoteric con concept that people, you know, find quite tricky to get their heads around. But I love how both of the examples that you gave were um, very grassroots, community led. It wasn't about reinventing the world or wheel or creating something wildly academic or difficult. It was just about using things that work. And so I think that's a really beautiful example of regeneration at its best. I'm conscious that we're almost out of time. I'm going to hand back to Matt now to wrap us up. Yeah, look, there's been some brilliant threads uh, come, come through. And one of the things that really jumps out to me is the way that regenerative tourism is having such a stronger place-based focus. And what that perhaps creates is a question for the broader business community about how they can take a place-based place approach to their products and services. What does that look like? What does it mean for a business to associate its brand with the specific place that it's operating from or the many places that it's operating uh, with? And how can we work in deeper partnership with that across all of those different pillars of well-being, the, the financial, the cultural, the social, uh, and of course, the, the ecological, we find that relative harmony. So it's a search and it's a question, uh, but it's people like these, uh, Loretta, Stacey and Glenn that are kind of at the front line of, of working out how we do that. So thanks all of you for creating that space and, and time. And uh, we look forward to seeing what sparks fly out of this conversation. Thanks everyone, have an awesome day. <laughs>